Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. I am Rob Maxwell and I am an exercise physiologist. In the Method to the Madness, I explore with you the things that may or may not work in the realm of health and fitness. I use science to explain what you really need to know about current events in fitness and what you should simply ignore. In today's episode, I'm continuing on with Smartwatch 101. The other day I handled the VO2 max portion of it. Today I'm going to simplify it even more and talk about heart rate. Before I begin, I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and over 100 million sold between the two. That's pretty darn good. And you know what? They're a pretty darn fit couple that's going to get out there and hustle for you. I absolutely vouch for them. They can be reached at 386-451-2412 or at thegildengroup.com. Okay, so your old smartwatch, the fitness watch. I think that's an area where technology has come in and actually helped us in the fitness world. There's definitely been studies that have shown that step counts using that portion of your watch, getting in 10,000 steps a day is an ultimate goal, has helped. And the heart rate function and the VO2 max function and the metabolic rate calorie burn function and the speed function, they've all helped. We just have to know how to use it, right? We don't want to be a dummy to our smartwatch. We really want to understand the numbers. And they're using some pretty technical stuff. As I said in the past episode, I'm an exercise physiologist. I studied exercise physiology and they're giving people VO2 max numbers. And I would say most people probably don't know what that is. But if you listened to the previous podcast, now you do. So today let's talk about heart rate. Heart rate is the first function they really started putting on these fitness watches. That and steps. And the heart rate is picked up from the wrist, which I must say has really come a long way in the past decade. Now, the chest monitor strap that comes with the fancier smartwatches, some of the Garmin's, and we still use that matches up with some of the old Polar equipment, if you remember Polar heart rate monitors, is definitely more accurate than the wrist function. But it's also more cumbersome and most people don't want to walk around with a strap on their heart all day long or across their chest, I should say. Not on their heart. That, that would be a pretty uh, impressive thing to be able to do. But around the chest there um, and even putting it on for exercise, you know, I would say the majority of the population don't want to do that. But the serious athletes like to use that as a uh, way to get a more accurate heart rate. Having said that, the wrist component has come a long way. About a decade ago when they started playing with that with Fitbits and those kind of things, the accuracy on them was really, really poor. Now it's pretty good. Personally, I still have issues with mine and some things are better than others. Um, fortunately though, me knowing my body and knowing physiology well enough, I know what to ignore. I know when it's not accurate and uh but it, it's a good it's a good guide nonetheless but um sometimes the more pounding type movements like running and running faster 
you're not going to get the heart rate accuracy that um, you would maybe with stationary cycling. But uh, like I said, it's come a long way. Some are better than others and uh, wearing it appropriately on your wrist will definitely help. So the accuracy on it is mixed, but definitely better than having nothing. So let's talk about heart rate a little bit. So heart rate is absolutely a great piece of feedback for training. There is no question about it. Uh, I tell people often that one of the best assessments we can ever do for our cardiovascular fitness and health is resting heart rate. Resting heart rate really is a great indicator as to whether we are getting in better shape or not. Now I also throw in submaximal heart rate along with resting heart rate as well. So maximal means you're doing a lower than maximum intensity and you are doing it continuously and you're not ramping it up. In other words, it remains this sub-maximal level. So let's say, for example, you've been doing level one on a life cycle for 30 minutes for a few weeks. So that's a sub-maximal level intensity for a lot of people. And what you will notice is as you get in better shape at the same intensity, your heart rate should be lower. So that's sort of like resting heart rate. That's a sub-maximal level. So you're not trying to push the heart rate up and your heart is responding by being lower at the same intensity where it used to be higher. That is a great sign of fitness, as is your resting heart rate. Because what that means is your stroke volume has improved. The stroke volume means the amount of blood your heart pumps per beat. The heart is a muscle, so as it gets stronger, it's able to pump more blood per beat. That's stroke volume. Multiply that by your heart rate, which is always measured in a per minute value. That's going to give you cardiac output. Cardiorespiratory or aerobic training or cardiovascular training, they all mean the same thing, will absolutely lower your resting heart rate and lower your stroke volume and lower, I'm sorry, raise your stroke volume and lower your sub-maximal heart rate. So that's all the great thing. So remember that the heart rate is measured always in a per minute value when it's giving you a measurement and pay attention to that. I do think the smart watches do a good job with that because at rest, the watch isn't moving around a lot. Your arm isn't moving around a lot. And when I look at what mine is, it, I pretty much can vouch that that's gonna be pretty accurate because I know where my resting heart rate is. So if you're looking for some values on that, it's very vague in the medical world and uh, let me help you with that a little bit. But essentially, they're going to tell you that anywhere between 60 and 99 beats per minute is pretty normal for a resting heart rate and that's a huge gap. And a lot of it does have to do with your age as well, but that's a huge gap. And you do have to pay attention to some medications as well because they are going to either raise it or lower it. There are some drugs that may raise it a little bit and there are beta blockers for your blood pressure that will lower it some. So it's not always the best gauge if you're on a medication that affects your heart rate. But if you're not, it can be a good gauge. But as I say, you know, uh, 
criterion standards meaning put you in categories of average, fair, good, excellent, whatever. I mean, what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? What we really should always be concerned with is improving our lot with our fitness. So if your resting heart rate tends to be in the 80s, it's a good goal to bring it down and get it under the 80s. And, and for the most part, lower is better. Elite endurance athletes can show resting heart rates even into the high 30s. Now, you might think, wow, that's maybe too low. Well, studies really don't bear that out. In the old days, they used to say that. They used to call it bradycardia and freak people out. But for the most part, that's just because they have a very strong heart, which ejects a lot of blood per beat. And therefore, then the heart doesn't have to beat as much if it's pumping more blood per beat, kind of like the idle on a car. Essentially, it's the same thing. But again, that's pretty rare, but you will see pretty low numbers on people that do a lot of cardiorespiratory exercise, and that's a good thing. The next part of it is then your training zones. Now, this is where you have to be a little bit careful because it's not necessarily 100% accurate. The logarithm used is based on the old age-predicted maximum heart rate formula which is 220 minus your age. Now, in exercise physiology studies, we've learned that there's a lot of error in that. As a matter of fact, population-wise, it's only 66% accurate, that formula. 220 minus age equals your maximum heart rate. Now, even physicians still use that, but they do qualify it with age-predicted maximum heart rate. Why? Well, because it's not a bad standard at all. It gives you a certain baseline, but it's not necessarily 100% accurate. It may be close, but some studies say that your age-predicted maximum heart rate may be even 15 beats off from where it really, really is. That's what the studies show. So between 10 and 15 beats gap of accuracy, possibly, or only 66% accurate, which means 33% inaccurate. All right, so how do you really know? Well, I'm one of the lucky ones because I've done max heart rate tests on myself before and I know where my maximum heart rate is and it seems to now and in the past always line up with my age predicted. That's luck, all right? And by the way, your maximum heart rate is not indicative of your fitness. It could be high for your age, it could be low for your age. That doesn't matter, that is not a sign of fitness. I hear people say sometimes, well, their heart rate's so high, you know, they must be out of shape. That's not true, that just means they may have a very high maximum heart rate. It, what really counts is the percentage of it that you can exercise at. That's the key, so if you have a high heart rate, and you're out running at a good pace, and you're only at 70% of that maximum heart rate at a good pace, that's a sign of fitness. So it comes down to what the percentages are for your particular maximum heart rate. All right, so without having to go get a max heart rate test done or a stress test done or a VO2 max test done, you can use some common sense here. Basically, See what the watch is telling you your maximum heart rate is, and I'll tell you another little way to do that in a second. And if you find yourself being really comfortable at high heart rates, chances are 
that maximum heart rate isn't accurate for you and it's higher than that. So there may be a way to go in and change the settings in your watch, in your phone, however they do it. I'm sure there probably is. Or you can simply not panic and just understand that the zones that your smartwatch, whether it be a Garmin or Apple or whatever, may be giving you or tell you where you landed may not be overly accurate. But they are going to be consistent for you, meaning that if that's the data using, then you can still use it as a very good barometer of your fitness. All right. So in other words, if like you know you're not in a zone two and a zone two is going to be like a very easy heart rate and you think you're supposed to be because next to it on the criterion it says easy but you look up and you're actually in a zone five and it still felt easy and it says that's super hard like 90 percent you're thinking this doesn't add up well you're probably right it probably doesn't you have a higher maximum heart rate than age predicted again it's not indicative of anything. But then you notice through time at the same effort, it's now showing lower heart rate ranges, putting you maybe in a little in a zone that adds up better to what you think you really did. Again, then that goes back to the old submaximal theory that you're getting in better shape. So don't panic, use the numbers, but just understand that they're not accurate for everybody, so don't freak out. All right? Now, most of these companies use five zones, so let me explain them to you. Most of them use a zone one at under 60% of your maximum heart rate, and it says easy, warm up, hardly any effort, and that's true. So 60% for me is a 99 beat heart rate. So I'll find that if I'm out walking my dog, walking Hazel, or walking easy on the treadmill, I'm gonna fall somewhere between high 80s and under 100. So like that's very, very true for me. That is 60%, that's extremely easy. Uh, so a zone one, you pretty much can go all day with it. A zone two, they usually consider light, easy. It's a step up from zone one and it's maybe more of a warm up pace or maybe more really long, slow distance training, a long bike ride, whatever. And they typically call it 70%. Again, they, I say typically because every agency uses a little bit different of a percentage point. But the 60, 70, 80, 90 does make a lot of sense. It, it does classify it pretty darn well. Some go 65 and 75, 85, whatever. Um, but typically they're going to use five zones. 70% for me is a 115, so if I'm out warming up out on the trail on my bicycle, it's going to probably fall somewhere in there. It's going to be very easy. 70%, you, you basically should be able to go all day at that pace. That's a very easy pace. Now, zone three is a little bit higher. It's still considered to be a very aerobic pace. A lot of experts call 80% and under very aerobic and getting into what they call threshold training over 80%, which means a little bit harder. And that's, again, pretty accurate. It does depend on some other physiological markers in you with your lactate threshold, and that's for another time, but it is fairly accurate. So for me, that's about 132. Um, for me on a treadmill, it could be like around a 10 minute mile running around on that pace. So it's, you know, it's still, very comfortable, it's very aerobic. Uh, 
you start to see some cardiac creep there, meaning as it gets warmer, the heart rate starts to creep up. You don't have as much control over it as you do zone one and zone two, meaning that it does start to creep up on you a little bit, but it's still considered pretty comfortable. Zone four, usually it's called threshold or tempo. That's a harder pace. Most experts say uh, you can sustain that for maybe at an hour for a maximum, meaning like that's your pace. You can go really kind of pretty hard and maintain it for an hour. So you're, that's, again, they gauge that at just under anything under 90%. So basically between 80 and 90%. So that's not light, which is funny about exercise. You think, how can 80 and 90% still be like manageable? Like people have heart rates wrong a little bit. They'll think, well, 40 to 50% because they confuse that with the four or five on a rate perceived exertion scale and that's really easy heart rate 40 to 50 percent so no it's supposed to be like that that's the zone and zone five is interval anything over 90 percent or race pace you're going to run your 5ks in that pace you're going to do harder efforts in that pace so those are your five zones on most of the company most of the companies use five zones as i said and most of them go 60 to 100% interesting, huh? That's kind of like the old resting heart rate. Simple numbers, but again, we have to learn how to interpret the numbers and, you know, don't freak out about them, meaning like there's no way I'm out of the shape, blah, blah, blah. No, it's probably you just have a higher maximum heart rate. Or you could have a really low maximum heart rate and then feel like you should be training so much higher than you do. Oh my goodness, I'm supposed to hit 132. 80% and I feel like I'm going all out to hit it. Well, don't continue to try to push all out in a zone three that even says it's supposed to be easy to moderate. That just means you have a lower maximum heart rate. So that number is not overly accurate for you. All right, so just learn how to watch that. Use a little bit of common sense. Hopefully now you understand the numbers a little bit better. And again, it's great to use. It's, it's great to use. And for the endurance athletes out there, most experts believe, and I've seen the research and I agree with it, that 80% or so of the training should be of zone three and under, meaning you know, pretty light to moderate training and only 20% or so should be anaerobic. So we don't have to go hard all the time, which a lot of people do. And we can really overdo that. At the same time, we don't have to go super long all the time either. That's another myth. So both can be problematic for overtraining wise. All right, I just wanted to throw that out there. But again, that's for another day. And at this point, I want to thank our second sponsor who has come in a couple months ago. And they are the Istanbul Turkish Mediterranean Cuisine. They're right here locally in Ormond Beach at 488 South Young Street, Ormond Beach, Florida, 32174. They have great salads, vegetarian dishes, healthy dishes. They can be reached at 386-492-7100 or you can place an order online at istanbulflorida.com. All right, next episode, I'm going to cover the metabolism. I'm gonna get into the old calories burned the old calories burned what does that mean when you see that on your watch and it says that you burned 600 calories over the activity 
let's talk about what that really means and how that impacts your metabolism and that's one of the real important functions of a smartwatch. Is it accurate? Hmm, you're gonna have to listen next time and find out. Until then, be max fit.